Welcome back. Welcome in. This is Country Roads Confidential, a CBS Sports podcast. My name is Mike Casaza. Welcoming in Chris from Mullins. So popular. We had to have you back. You're on the main line right now, though. You're not on, the, on a cell phone or anything like that, right? A, an industrial park, abandoned industrial park with the laser tag game going on behind me like I was last time. I, I am home in my office in front of my laptop doing it the right way. Mm. Have you watched any of the Penn State, Duquesne, or Pitt spring games yet? Because apparently that's what you do after you have a spring game. I have not. I have not uh, oh. begun my research on those three. Let me tell you about Penn State. Now we'll save that for later. I got some takes on Duquesne special teams. I saw some weaknesses in the scheme. But it'll put them on TV. Well, this is why you have a direct line to Jeff Coons' office. My guy. We're going to talk a little spring football today, wrap it up in a unique way. Chris and I will pick out some players who made the most of the spring, kind of stocks that you should have invested in or could have invested in, you'd be rewarded today. Risers, people who... I'm holding one hand way down here like my knees. Who started here maybe, and they ended up, and my other hands are on my shoulder. They moved from like the knee to the shoulder. Maybe they moved from the shoulder to like two feet above the shoulder, but people who just made their situation better and by extension made the team better. So we've each got a couple of picks we want to have there. Probably need to preview what's going to happen sometime here soon too, Chris, and maybe putting you on the spot a little bit. But I don't think it's news to anybody here, especially in Boulder, Colorado, that the spring game ends, that stage of the offseason is complete. You have some time off, and people use their time off to pack their dorm rooms and pack their apartments and get the heck out of town. West Virginia made it through Monday without anybody in the portal. There's that old two-day rule, and maybe you don't even have those meetings with players until Sunday, and then maybe they don't put their paperwork until Monday. That stuff can be fast-tracked, so that's somewhat of a guideline. Maybe today, maybe tomorrow, who knows? What type of waves do we think crash upon the shore? of the Bush Gardens Center here. Yeah, it's funny you mentioned that. I, I, I'm going to save some of this information for maybe a later story, but those um, meetings, those, you know, post-spring exit interviews that aren't supposed to be exit interviews, they're supposed to be, you know, just kind of a review of what happened in the spring, your role on the team for the fall, what's expected of you in the summer, all that stuff. Those usually happen, you know, Back in the day, they used to happen days after the spring game. Like, hey, go take a couple days off, and we're going to review the tape, and we're going to talk it over, then we're going to meet with you. And it would happen like on a Tuesday or a Wednesday or something like that. They were happening Saturday evening, I'm told, like with a couple guys hmm. of immediately being like, hey, let's have a talk real quick. Like just, you know, kind of like, hey, we need you here. Stay here. Let's have a meeting now. Um, and they were happening right away, Saturday evening, all through Sunday and into Monday. So yeah, they're happening. And you talk about the waves and the timeline of when to expect things. You mentioned the two day rule, technically two business days. So you can, it gets a little fuzzy and I've heard stories from schools all over the country of people like, yeah, well, technically he submitted after X time of the day on Friday so that's technically he didn't put it in till Monday so then you know in 48 hours you can wait till Wednesday all that kind of stuff that that you see businesses do and, and schools can do that too 
other times and we saw it with Colorado, they're just like, Hey, screw it. All right. You want out here you go and, and do it right away. You don't, you don't have to wait 48 hours. You can put it in right away. And so it, I wouldn't say that no one's leaving. Um, it's been what it's, we're recording this Tuesday morning. So technically since the spring game happened Saturday, it's only been one day. It's been 24 hours. Um, We'll see if by end of business today, if somebody's in there or if they can play the games and wait till Wednesday or the, the, the players don't even have to submit right away. They might want a day to talk about it, talk with their families, talk with the coaches and then make a decision. So don't think that you're in the clear if you get through the end of business today, Tuesday with no one entering. But hey, the good news, just got to get to Sunday. I believe it's Sunday, like the, the 30th as the last day. Yeah, Sunday. After that. That's it. Portal's closed. Yeah, why isn't the spring game the 29th? <laughs> I, I, I should check the calendar, the master calendar for all the teams out there and see if anybody lined that up for an April 29th uh, spring game. I'll look it up. I have it bookmarked somewhere here, too. So that's the other part about this whole 48-hour thing. Um, one, it's no one's beholden to it because players can tweet or Instagram as soon as they leave the office. Heck, it's going to happen like I'm about to enter coach's office. I'll be in the portal in 10, right? That's going to happen. But you don't need to have the paperwork to actually announce that you're transferring. Number one. Number two, the point you made is really good about how they don't have to do it right away. They don't have to start that clock as quickly as possible. They have to go out and get offers. They just do. And you can back channel this so easily now. And as you know, Chris, the story you may one day share you don't even need back channels. Like schools may just contact each other and say, hey, guess what? So there's just a whole bunch of different ways you can do this now. And it's, it's as with everything, it's volatile, it's unpredictable. There's hardly any rules or regulations, never mind legislation. So expectations and reality are going to be very, very different here. Uh, UMass, Akron, Rutgers, Wyoming all have their spring game April 29. Uh, when I think of transfer portal, I think UMass, Akron, Rutgers, Wyoming. No, I could be careful. Yeah, what if, what if West Virginia? You're gonna start a riot on the board when West Virginia pulls some kid from Akron in, in a week or something like that. Actually, uh, Maryland's on that list too, so Ooh. a little bit more. Oregon, mm. that could be the way of the future. One more in the spring game that was not a recommendation anybody made to us as to how to improve the spring game, but man, maybe moving it back toward the end of the spring and the portal date that could be a great idea. Perhaps schools do that in the future as a leverage maneuver, but uh, critiques, comments, criticisms, whatever holistically, never mind the football part of this, Chris, because the football part of it teams are hamstrung, they're only going to want to be as creative as they are willing to be. Uh, if, if we're frank, they a lot of places just don't care what the fans think. It's not for the fans, even though they say, you know, 14 for us and one for them. It, it, there's limitations there, too. But, man, that's a pretty thin attendance number. The weather was not great, but it looks like baseball maybe outdrew the spring game all three days, depending on how authentic the number that they eventually report is. But um, I don't know. It does, doesn't need to be changed. Are spring games just spring games? I know we've talked about this, so we don't have to put in our recommendations, but just is is good enough good enough or is this not good enough well and i also think pretty much no matter what you do it's i think no matter what they did this spring it wasn't going to matter because it's almost about the excitement around the program 
in the players and what's going to happen. And like being frank here, and we've seen it for several months now, fans are apathetic to what is happening on the football field right now. Um, they either want to change or they know change isn't happening yet. So they're just kind of zoned out on it. They don't want to put themselves through it. Um, they want to wait and just see what happens this fall kind of thing. So I think pretty much no matter what you did, concerts and kids days and all this other stuff, it wouldn't have changed much of anything as far as attendance goes. And I think that attendance for 95% of the schools is going to ebb and flow based on the excitement around your program in any given year. I thought it was strange that when they put out the information, they sent out a press release like, hey, here's all your info you need. They were very clear that there will not be an autograph signing after the game. Um, and I had someone, I had someone who works with NIL stuff reach out to me and be like, that's really strange because that's a moneymaker. And, and if it's not right there, like I doubt you're going to have players selling autographs at that moment, but you could do something in that moment that could be NIL enhancing for players for your whole operation. There could have been in between quarters instead of a, a kid's kicking field goal competition. What if, you know, I don't know, what if Oliver Luck was there and just had like five minutes in the mic to talk about NIL or they played a video or something like that. Just some people told me that that was like a squandered opportunity because this is all about NIL and money. And here are some, I don't want to say diehards, but here's, I don't know, 2,500 people who came out to your spring game and are interested. And and part of the goal of these spring games, it's like minor league baseball, just to get them engaged and to do something. Um, if they have a good time, they might like it and come back, but they also might want to be a part of it. And I'm not saying that they like adopt an international baseball player and let them live in their basement for a while, like you sometimes see in minor league games, but... Hey, perhaps I can scratch off some NIL. Perhaps I can buy a jersey that goes to a um a licensing collective or whatever. That was odd that I didn't do that. But I also give West Virginia credit. They did have a pregame concert with um Philip Bowen. Pretty cool story there. There's a fiddler who has a really popular channel where he plays famous songs. Look him up, Philip Bowen. He had a pregame concert. You could bring in your own snacks and refreshments and do stuff like that. And then they did have some competitions among fans. That was good. So there's there was some moving of the ball forward there which makes me think that that might've been like trial balloon. Hey, we tried this low bar to clear. Did we? And how big can we go there? There might be a feature there, but that's, that's a long time from now. And the concerning thing to me is that they don't have an attendance figure, which again, there's going to be one. There's reasons that they're probably not reporting it. Some obvious, some being like exactly how much can we give to the children's hospital, but also you're looking at a drop of about 10,000 fans from last year, Chris, that's not all weather. And when you have a baseball game that starts right after and it draws more, in your spring game, you either got to buy a drawing board or you got to go back to the drawing board, one or the other. And, and let's be clear on the um, what 10,000 fewer fans means because we're not talking it was 100,000 and now it's 90,000. We're talking it was what 13,000 and now might be a generous 3,000, something like along those lines. Like yeah. It was a very percentage wise, it was a dramatic drop because yeah. they. Yeah, well, I know you posted the picture and you, and you stated it with the picture. You were very clear with the picture that there were people underneath you that you obviously could not get in the picture because they were tucked up underneath the cover. Um, I, I think somebody counted and it was like 286 people in the picture that you took at the national anthem for the home game. <laughs> um, so, uh, yeah, it was a rough day for attendance. But again, I think it's just, like you said, it's not the weather. It's just feelings towards 
what's happening with the football program right now. And the the guys that are in the football program, part of the football program, they just got to put their head down and and, and focus on winning because that's what's going to change things. Let's go to changing things, winning games, and who is responsible for that. Each of us, Chris, have three players. We have not rehearsed this, so quite likely we're going to overlap a little bit, which means we'll have to wing it. Um, but as I said, three people who are our standouts, personal gainers, um, gainers for their unit, their side of the ball, whatever you want to call it. But your your spring practice, I guess, all-stars, it's not going to be the best of the best, but just people who really improve their situation and by extension, you know, their room, their side of the ball, their assistant coach, who knows. Loose parameters, I think logical answers here. Um, I will let you go first. Who is your, hey, how about this, a draft? Who is your first round number one pick? For the guy who raised his stock the most out of all, all the guys on the team. And I don't know what, I don't know what his, uh, what do we want to say, IPO was. Like, I, I don't know what he was, his initial public offering was that we were buying this at because he's new. But I'm in on the Devin Carter train. Like, like I, I think he came here and there were comparisons made to Bryce Ford or Wheaton uh, because of his size, because of where he's from um, and the position that they were recruiting him for. I mean, and they they basically recruited him and told him, hey, we're recruiting you to replace Bryce Ford Wheaton. You're going to start at the X receiver, left-hand side, need you on deep balls, all this stuff. Um, he, at NC State, he was... I don't know how to put this. I mean, maybe it's the same way that Bryce Ford Wheaton was at least the first few years. Like you saw it and he was fine, but you thought it could have been better. And you kind of see the same thing with Carter. But I think he made it clear that he is wide receiver one with what he did in, in the spring, the entire spring. I mean, spring game was, was not his kind of showcase, but he was, he was good in it, but I think this entire spring, he's made it clear that he is wide receiver one. And for me, I'm not sure there was anybody else on the roster who so very clearly went from, hey, this guy is new, to, oh, this guy is our top option at this position. You'll have no argument here. Okay. For a transfer, pretty rare that that person comes in with a bar so high, the expectations so established, and deals with it seamlessly and it just seemed like they had everything you said come in start be that physical x you know be the guy who can really lead a room and get young guys to develop we'll see how much young guys develop and improve but figurehead position or even productivity in the field i think that he certainly satisfied the expectations i'm going to stick in the transfer portal chris and this would lead to a second conversation probably in a minute but i would say lower expectations but the ceiling at least for the potential this person is there and everything that you heard and then saw about him from small observations and notes until obvious big plays seem to support that. I'm going to go with Davon Hawkins. Oh, you're killing me. I, that, he was supposed to slip to the second round, Mike. Uh, I had to reach. I love him. No, I, I, I love the pick. Go ahead. Quick observation of him first time out there. I wrote about this the second day because it happened twice, but he gets up the line of scrimmage. And that's a really important thing when you're playing those D tackle spots because one, you're outnumbered, so you got to help. But also that motor is really good for a lot of different things when it comes to playing defensive line. And you think about that as just going straight forward. Let me beat up this tackle or guard. Let me get into the backfield for a TFL or a sack. Let me pressure the passer, so on and so forth. They don't do a ton of that stuff necessarily. If it happens, great. But the defensive line, they have different responsibilities. He seems to get that. But when that initial assignment breaks down or is complete and 
a linebacker or a spear or a bandit doesn't make the play. A defensive lineman still has to be in there. And for him to be as big as he is, but still have the juice to kind of reset and restart the play while still going on and get up the line of scrimmage and doesn't even make the tackle sometimes, but he's there. And if you get a couple of people around the ball, that's better. And if one of them is a defensive tackle from the other side of the field who you're not expecting, good things can happen for the defense there. You can knock balls out. You can rattle guys. You can get TFLs. But he just has kind of an energy about him during the play that was obvious. And then as coaches and players get to know him and talk about him, that's what they say about him off the field as well. Energetic, you know, a good presence, ask good questions, can understand things you're teaching him, doesn't have bad days. He doesn't come in in a bad mood or a down mood or, oh, man, last day of the weekend like that. Just seems like he had a really good spirit about him, too. So for transfers, that's important, I think. For defensive linemen, that's really important. For that side of the ball to be doing what it's attempting to do this year by getting back to fundamentals, well, he kind of came in in a spot where he could do that. And his starting line was the same as everybody else's. And he moved. He was fast, fast riser, fast gainer. Did good things to them, and he even had some action in the spring game that kind of validated all the stuff that we had seen or heard about him before. So for front to back, to bookend, your observations in the first and second practice and the spring game with all the things that you heard about him kind of parenthetically or in conversations with people, to me that was really rewarding for him, and that's a spot they had to have somebody, and they got him. Even if you looked at his bio and you said, wait a minute, Tennessee State, are we sure about this? These FCS guys... Right now, Chris, it seems like this one's probably a hit for them. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I'm with you, and I think I think we'll find out because I we've talked about him. I think he could be a crucial piece of that defensive line rotation. It is one of those spots where you can't cannot cannot get by with three. You can't get by with four or five. Even you need six, and he is going to be one of those six. Heck, if he keeps this up, he might be one of those first three. Mm. Um, so I really really like this pick, and and yeah, I think he could be a difference maker up there in the front. Um, you want to go snake style so you get two in a row or you just want to keep going back and forth? I feel bad because I stole one from you. I don't want to do it again, so you can go. Okay. I'm tempted, very tempted to go three for three with transfers. Mm. But I'm not. I'm going to I'm gonna try to show some love to a guy that was on the roster last year with the third pick and go Jaquay Hubbard. Mm. And... It's not the sexy pick. It's not a quarterback. It's not a receiver. It's not, you know, some guy who's going to pile up a bunch of stats. But I think this move from right tackle to right guard is extremely beneficial for him. I think he is far more of a guard than a tackle. I, I think he is going to fit in better there. I think he had already kind of somewhat established himself as as the better option ahead of Brandon Yates. I mean, we saw... Last year he started and he got they, they still rotated, but he was getting like two thirds of the snaps to Yates's one third. And but this spring it just felt like once they moved those two inside to see what would happen. And yeah, Yates was filling in at center with Zach Frazier out most of the spring. Um, but it felt like Hubbard further 
distanced himself as a clear cut starter for this offensive line. And and you did a story on him earlier in the spring where he talked about how he had trimmed some weight down. He's got his body back in shape. Um, that kind of has me, you know, thinking he could make somewhat of a leap here heading into this to to this fall. I think he had a really good offseason, a really good spring. Um, you know, again, when you can get in a better position, like again, guard is better for him than tackle. He's just better fit for it. And you're better bettering your body with strength and conditioning, getting in better shape. You can stay out there longer. You can be stronger. That's two big moves for him that I think are going to help vault him into being a more solid piece of this offensive line. When last year, quite honestly, like right tackle was the big weakness of this offensive line, and, and he was part of that rotation. Okay. I have an offensive line, but I'm going to keep him, I think, for my next pick. I'm not going to use it here. I did struggle with this one, too, and uh, it's it's difficult because this all could change. I really liked what Lance Dixon did all spring. New position for him. It's he he does not look like the spears they've had before, right, Chris? He's a I mean, he's like a linebacker. And I think there was a time people thought he might be a Mike linebacker here. Certainly was a Will linebacker. And they moved him out the spear. And that's a bit of a defensive back position where you got to do some linebacker stuff. But man, he's long and he really moves. And it, it kind of started happening for him. With more regularity during the spring, and then I think it was it went from you know hey very quietly he's having a good spring to less quietly. Hey, Lance Dixon's been great, and that's good for a guy who whose health has been you know an issue for him and who hadn't been able to really find a position. That's promising, I think. If he was able to transition, and he started this transition late last season, what the final handful of games, and it it just didn't seem like it was the right thing. Can he not play? Will maybe. Maybe, but maybe there is a skill set there that puts him in the spear, and that spear can be impactful there too. Now, granted, as we talk, Chris, we know that their will situation is is up in the air right now. He could be the will again for all we know. If they hit the portal and they find a really good spear, maybe he bumps back inside. I think what's a benefit for him and what maybe makes him worthy for this conversation is that you have a spear now, and if it's easier to find a will or to trust Trey Lathan or Gyro Favoris, as your will, you don't really have to do that. As we know, they can really mix and match the combinations with their linebackers. You know, they they can cross train your mic and your will now. If you remember, the bandit and the mic used to be the same, and the will was just kind of by itself. Well, now they're doing will and mic things together, and the will can be a spear a little bit. Striking to me, the X reload was such a big part of this for so long, and you didn't really like hear his name a whole lot. Like, yeah, man, we missed X reload, and that's nothing against him, but. He was kind of like a, a cog in that position in, the, in that meeting room for a while, and he could do some of the things that I think that they can still do with Dixon. Um, Lowe was like a converted defensive back who could play the will, but also could play corner, if you'll remember. He did some weird things like that where they could just use him in matchups and packages. I, I think there's a potential there to do some of that stuff with Dixon where he could be a regular linebacker-type body, but he could also stay on the field and not get matched up in a bad situation and play some safety-slash-hybrid linebacker things to do that for him. Um, athletically, football-wise, the the tools and the pedigree are there. I think it was a matter of him finding a home and a fit and, and getting a runway where he could really get comfortable and open up and accelerate, and it seems like that's what he's done right now. And, and perhaps it's no surprise that by the end of it, people were were less shy about complimenting him and saying, wow, this is actually working. You want to talk about a roller coaster there? 
Like if we're talking stock, like literal stock market kind mm-hmm. of stuff with him, uh, like th- this guy, he comes from Penn State out of high school, just a stud, goes to Penn State. Is you know he didn't have a whole lot of time there, but left after one season. West Virginia kind of bought low here, and he comes in as a backup, builds up throughout the years. Okay, as a backup, kind of rotating in at that outside linebacker spot, and then has you know gets a start in the bowl game against Minnesota. Now, while that game was forgettable for ninety nine percent of the players, coaches, and fans, Dixon was outstanding in that game. And then he comes into last year. They're expecting people are expecting a lot of the same thing. I think I had him as one of my guys that was going to be, you know, a breakout star. And he played 41 snaps in the opener against Pitt and was okay. But by halfway point of the season, as you noted, he's battling injuries, position changes, who knows what else, because he's he's playing. But in the last half of the season, the first five weeks he started from week six, which I believe was the bye week on. He played a total of 40 snaps. So in the entire second half of the season, he played fewer snaps than he did in the season opener alone. And again, he wasn't out. He was in. He just played nine snaps, eight snaps, five snaps, and that was it. So I think his stock was back down to start this spring. And then you see them changing his position. And a lot of times when guys are changing positions like that, it's Sometimes it's out of necessity and sometimes it's out of, hey, we're just trying to find some way to find a role for this guy. And I'll be honest, that was my initial thought was uh, or we're, we're already to that point of the, you know, th- this cycle that the staff is getting desperate to try to find a way to get him on the field. And then he looked good all spring long, like you noted. So I think maybe we're trending back up in the right direction and maybe he fills that role and that's why there's no real rush to kind of move him or anyone else back from Spear over to Will. Yeah, I mean, you kind of go from, is this a distressed asset? Is this like a reclamation project too? Actually, this looks good. Maybe this is what he needed. Um, and that this, listen, it could all change. As we said, he could be a Will before long or they might find a better Spear. But for a spring thing, I think he gave them a lot to think about and they really like it. Last round pick? Last round, Chris, first pick you. I'm ready to go back to the transfer portal, Mike. And I'm going Cole Taylor. Okay. Um, I, I know fans were excited. But like when they added Cole Taylor, fans were excited about him. They, everybody wants to. It's almost like the fans are trying to will a you know a, a tight end presence in this offense. And he came over from LSU. But again, let's be clear on what his role. He was essentially a backup. You know, a, a guy, a role player who Ooh. hadn't put up a lot of stats at LSU. And so it was like, are you getting that excited about him? But then you see him this spring, and he is, what, the best pass-catching tight end since Wesco? Yeah. Uh, I mean, he because, again, like, Michael Laughlin was a very good pass-catcher, but he was hurt, like, half the time that he was here. So I don't know if we can count him. But Taylor is already head and shoulders above anyone else that West Virginia's put at the tight end position as far as catching the ball in recent years. And... As Mountaineer fans know, if you can get the tight end involved, if you can get them to be a threat in the middle of the field and maybe middle deep of the field, that changes everything about your offense. It changes everything that the opposing defense has to do in order to defend you. And that can really help out this offense. That has, again, 
struggled to kind of get things going. Um, and, and again, Taylor all spring long, um, right there, right away in the first couple of practices, working with the first team in the spring game, some very tough catches for, for some nice, some nice gains, just kind of been solid all around. And, and I'm, I'm buying, I am buying the Cole Taylor stock right now. Hard to argue. They could use that a lot. And the fact that he makes a one-handed catch in the spring game, I think that gets people excited. Last pick for me. I'm going to go to the offensive line. It's a tough one for me to narrow down to just one because there's probably two or three names. But I think when you look at what this line needs, what it will not acquire, and and why, then you're probably going to say, okay, someone's good or is in a position to be good. And like you want to use like the Tomas Rematch model here, who's somebody that might not be out in that top five, top six, top seven right now, but is trending that way. And by all available proof here, it's Sullivan Weedman. And kind of on his way last year, but just, hey, no need to play you. Um, so develop. Do the weight room stuff. Do the Monday Night Football stuff. Do the developmental chores. And they are chores. Don't get me wrong. But understand that there's going to be a payoff in the spring. And right now, he gets in and he looks like he can do it. And to the point about the rematch model, like I said, that's what they're saying. Is that here's the guy who is probably most similar to rematch last year. And what happened? He wasn't ready to play last spring. But stuck with it in that summer program. And then when they needed a left guard, he was ready to go. And what started six or seven games, earned some freshman All-America recognition. And now you don't even hear about him or left guard or heck, the left side of the line of scrimmage unless why Milam isn't practicing that day for whatever reason. But you got five good starters. I think we know who they're going to be. Um, could have given this to Nick Malone. Could have given this to Brandon Yates. Gave it to Weedman because that's eight now, Chris. And I, I would not be surprised if he's in a position to be a six guy where if they need to put somebody in, could it be him? Right now, it's probably Malone. If they lose a tackle, he's probably going in. If they lose a guard... He's probably going in and playing tackle because they can move a tackle to guard and make it work. Uh, Yates, look like he did a great job. And if you listen to coaches again, the experimentation by necessity at center went really well for him. Here's a guy who started two years of left tackle, played last year at right tackle. He's going to be a guard or a backup center this year. Um, certainly some gifts for him athletically. But they had that going in. What they needed was another player. And for Weeman to be in that conversation, entering this stage of his career, to have the the physical gifts there, the size, the ability to play those positions that they're going to need at some point, um, if it's an injury, if it's ineffectiveness, now you turn a question mark into an exclamation point because he was able to stick with that process and go, and and it worked out for him, and it worked out for the offensive line. And now you've got a pretty robust group that may not get or even prioritize an offensive lineman, and you probably have to think that a development story like Weedman's is one reason why. And another reason why I think I think you got a good pick here without even seeing it in person, without like, you know, seeing him work. Look around at what West Virginia was doing in the transfer portal and what they were saying. And, you know, before spring football, offensive line was one of the big three positions they wanted to get at a guy. They were extending offers to players who played center or guard. They were looking for an interior lineman that could come in and play right away. And I think this spring, the development of of Rematch, of Sully Weedman, of you know Hubbard and Yates kind of adapting to playing interior, combination of all those things. So not just Weedman, but yet part of it, Weedman, is them saying, you know what? Actually, I think we're good. 
we don't need to use the transfer portal uh, scholarship on this right now, unless somebody leaves, of course, that can change. But they have completely flipped from where offensive line and interior offensive lineman was one of the three most important spots remaining in the portal to we're not even offering anybody else. We're not even pursuing another interior offensive lineman at the moment. And I think that's, again, a testament to the development of of kind of all four of those guys that I just mentioned. Any honorable mention picks for you? Yeah, I was, I was tempted to go like, you know, deep future. Like if I was a rebuilding franchise here um, and go Jaheim White, mm-hmm. he, he's coming into like a tough, not a tough spot. Cause I mean, heck last year, you probably said the fourth running back wasn't going to play and well, they all did. Um, but that room is crowded, very, very crowded. And if you watched a couple of the practices and you watched the spring game and that's all you had to go off of, nothing from last year, you would say, yeah, that guy's that guy's one of them, right? Right? Didn't he? No? Wait, yes? He's not? What? So I think him kind of just showcasing that his skills from high school, because he was one of the most prolific high school running backs. I mean, it, it's – you. You're saying a lot when you say ever, but I mean, the the guy over 5,000 yards, he was a touchdown machine. Um, he is an extremely, extremely productive high school running back. And it looks like a lot of that, most of that is going to translate in college. So it's a crowded room. I don't know if there's a very clear line to him playing this year, but again, we're talking a draft here late round rebuilding project. I'm I'm thinking two, three years down the road. I'd be really excited to take White here because he showed that some of that stuff's translating. I mentioned Malone. I mentioned Yates. The other one that I had the hardest time with, and actually this would have been my third one if I didn't come to the conclusion I did, but Hammond Russell, for a guy who did not play last year and had some, I think, potential his true freshman year in 21, he was ever present in post practice reports and teammates saying something about the defensive line, whether they were offensive linemen or linebackers. Um, when we were out there, we saw him make plays. He, I mean, that, that's going to be a, they need a nose. They need nose is, and it looks like he'll be one. And I would say even like maybe slash with him would be Mike Lockhart. I, I can tell you last year, like players on that defensive line watched him practice and would say he's got it, but man, he's out of shape, man. He doesn't have the the engine to go all the stuff that Hawkins has, right. That we just praised him for. He didn't have that. Now Lockhart also was just kind of in the portal for a while and didn't have anywhere to go and just kind of got here at a, at a late stage in the preseason process and just wasn't in game and football shape. And he got there eventually and had, a, I would say a good year last year once he got going, but here's a guy who is in shape and condition now because he's had an entire year of this and he was just noticeably different. So, so Russell and Lockhart in the middle of that defensive line, they need that, and they, they might have that. If not two as one, then maybe two who can be guys there too. So they were wild cards for me. I couldn't pick out one of them, but Russell for not playing at all last year and being noticeable this year, and Lockhart for being here last year, being more responsible about getting himself ready. And that I'm not saying he was irresponsible. Again, he had some conditions working against him, but not anymore. And you can tell those guys were factors in the middle. Look at you sneaking in a second honorable mention pick. Unbelievable. No, that was my honorable mention pick. I, I said I could have picked Malone and Yates. I think I think you honorable mentioned five different guys. I think it's just 
blur the lines of the rules around here, Mike. Typical. You're an NCAA guy. You want one more? (laughs) Go for it. Hey, Mike Montoro, Mike Fergale. Um, Not kissing up here, but we got some really good players to talk to this spring. First timers, people who've been around for a while we haven't talked to, people who are new to the program, kind of kept it fresh. And and like that makes it fun for me because I don't have to talk to the same handful of players the entire time, but also fans. Like I think people know more about a Jaquay Hubbard an Ed Vesteren in right now than they did before Jalen Anderson, people like that, that we hadn't talked to much, if not at all, uh, Cortez Bram. I wasn't there that day, but people told me that his interview was very good. Um, that's what four or five players right there. It, it's not unusual for like a couple of weeks in the season to get like four or five players total. Maybe that changes, but like they, they did give us an array of players from people who have been practicing well, or who just had good stories. We got Edward Vesteren on the day that Finland went to the NATO, um, that's pretty cool. So just this different things like that made it a little bit different. Um, again, first time players we hadn't talked to before, players who were gonna be good that we hadn't talked to before, players who are you know not new to the program, maybe new to us. We complain sometimes about who we get and, and access and all that. Uh, you kind of have to tip your cat here and say thanks because I think people learned a little bit about some players that they had only known as heads inside a helmet or you know torsos inside a jersey and. I think that does make a difference as far as caring about players a little more or just being able to write a little bit more, a little bit better about the team. I'm with you. You mentioned before the spring, like, Hey, sometimes I, you know, I was making the push for more openness so that, you know, to get more coverage, to get all that stuff, that get more people excited. And, and you made a similar argument, but with it, with the tweak of, Hey, let us get more access to players and a variety of players so that we can tell more personal stories and get the fans more, uh, you know, you know, emotionally or personally involved or interested in this roster, in this team. And and I think, I don't know if uh, you had a direct line to that office as well for that, but yeah, I agree with you. It was good to see a variety of players this time around. And now we go back to being mad at sports information and then being mad at us. But we had a good run. This is our relationship. We had a good run. It was about two minutes of holding hands going down the road together. Um, that's all for this episode here. We have uh, West Virginia baseball tonight. We have our eye on the transfer portal for both sports. Incoming, outgoing. We'll see what happens. End of the month, Chris. How are we wrapping up here? A lot of recruiting stuff. Uh, you know, I, Again, portal is going to be big this week. It closes on Sunday. Uh, a lot of guys were in campus over the last week or two. I'm trying to spread those out. So not just dumping a bunch of recruiting stuff while other things are happening. Obviously basketball transfer portal, baseball is good spring games finishing up. So trying to spread those out. You'll see those coming in the next few, uh, few weeks. And also on the recruiting front, coaches are going back out. It's spring eval period mm-hmm. coming up. So they're going to be out on the road, um, visiting new recruits, extending new offers. So look for a lot more recruiting information coming out too. Stay tuned. Can only tell you that things will be happening. Can't tell you what they'll be, but should probably check out your sports. We'll have it covered as it happens, sometimes before it happens, infrequently after it happens. Until then, I am Mike Casaza. And I'm Chris Anderson. We will talk to you then.